The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. All right. So if you have a Bible, turn to me with John. We're back in the Gospel of John, um, and we are in Chapter 9. So uh, we're just going to take off running. I have, uh, it's kind of a long chapter. So I'm just going to go verse by verse, read through it, talk about it as we go. And hopefully we can grab some truths maybe we haven't heard before or just something God will speak to our hearts. So I know you've heard this story, so don't tune out and be like, I know this already. I believe the Lord has something for you as you listen to his word. So we're going to start off. I want to give a little background of what we're coming into the gospel of chapters 8 and John. We see that Jesus was just about to be killed. These people were an angry crowd, were a mob, were just coming against him because he was saying that he was God. He said, I am he. He was, I am the one, the Messiah. And these guys did not like that, so they picked up stones and they're about ready to kill him. You can see that in chapter 8, verse 58. I'm going to read it and then we're going to dive right into it. It says, I tell you the truth. Jesus answered them before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up the stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away to temple grounds. So that gives us exactly kind of a picture to kind of put it all together, where Jesus is coming from. If you can imagine, you've done something bad. Jesus did not. But these people are going to kill him. They grab some stones. And if... At my house, we don't have stones. We have Nerf guns. And my boy's got some new bow and arrows that are really, I don't want to show you, but I got this giant wolf right here. It's these close range. See, they jumped up around the half wall. Pow! I was like, ah! It got me good. So when you're going to get shot, no one just hangs around, right? Anybody has Nerf guns? Or anybody can imagine if you're in trouble, do you kind of stick around the scene or do you? What do you do? Run. Run, right? So this is the scene. Jesus is about to be stoned, and Jesus is fleeing from that scene. But as he's going, he is not like us, and I am so grateful he is not like us stupid people that would be consumed with yourself. But he sees as he's leaving this crowd, coming from the temple, there is a man in need. And this man is blind. Blind from birth, and he sees him, and the disciples, that kicks us right off into it. So have your Bible, chapter 9, we're going to dive right in, verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Stop right there. They're talking about, in the Old Testament, if you look in Exodus, Numbers, Jeremiah, you can go all over. But really, it's saying this. You should not bow down to them and worship them. This is Deuteronomy 5, 9. For I, the Lord, am your God. I'm jealous. I am a jealous God, punishing the children for their sin of the parents on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. It goes on in several different passages. He says it again, punishing the children of their sins and their parents on the third and fourth generation. Numbers and Exodus and Jeremiah goes on to these different. So these guys are thinking, because they know kind of the law, 
This man was born blind because of his sin. Either his or his parents. And it's going to be passed down. Jesus throws that out the window right away because he goes, that's not what it's about. And Jesus addresses this head on. And I love that about Jesus. He snuffs things out all the time and he turns things upside down real quick. So he says this, he says right here in verse three, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus said this to them, but this has happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Has the work of God ever been displayed in your life? Are you a walking blind man as we're going to see in Samuel? Are you that? Are you someone that God has done something in your life that it's explosive and it's it's radiant, it's different because God had an encounter with you? And if God did have an encounter with you, then you should be different. When you meet Jesus, you should not be the same old goofy guy. You should be different because Jesus invaded your life. Jesus doesn't just kind of touch you around the circle. When he, it says this, he imputes righteousness to you. It is the Father that draws you. And when he draws you in, you cannot... Resist that. And he draws you in and you are stuck because he's got a hold of you. And it's not a stuck like, I'm stuck like Chuck. It's a stuck like, man, I am different and something has done some change in my life. I'm going to show you a quick video and I'm going to just kind of lead us into our story. This, my wife had to get up at early, like 4.30, or maybe even earlier than that. She left the house at 5 this morning to go to my son Trey's track meet. And during my first service, she blew me up and said, Trey, watch this, watch this. I'm like, I'm not watching. Because I'm preaching. I'm preaching. So we're going to watch this and see what happens. All right, so here we go. Trey is the third one in. One, two, three. From this side. show this Larry. I don't know how, but figure it out because Larry can make diamonds out of coal. That man can do anything. So I send him the phone back there and bing, there it is. Check that out. But that's a miracle. <laughs> so anyway, that came through. I was excited. Some of you were like, so what? That really isn't that cool. But for me, a dad, that's amazing because my kid won. And those were really fast people. He got moved up to a, a faster bracket. I don't know the right terminology. And he was scared. Dad, I'm going to lose because I know one of those kids is faster than me. And bam, he won, man. He's like, yeah. He had like fire behind him or something. I don't know. Maybe 18s. I don't know. But he, he had some extra help. But it was good, right? So anyway, I'm excited about that. And 
And I would be excited because I'm the dad. But I'm also excited because Jesus has changed me. And I have something to be excited about. It's not just my son, but my, the son changed me. And we're going to see that in the story. And my challenge to you, did the son change you? You have something to shout and joy and just be explosive about. Because if Jesus did that to you, this story should smack you in the forehead just like it did me. So Jesus says, so I may be glorified. Verse 3, verse 4, it says this. As long as the day was happened, it says, he must, I'm sorry, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming. And when no one can work in it, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So whether it's dark or not, we don't need light because he is the light. And in him, there is no darkness that takes place. And if we are in the light, just as he is in the light, then we're going to be different because we're going to be a shining light in this dark world. And he says, I am that light. And this man gets a chance to taste and see that. This amazing thing happens. Having seen this man, Jesus comes up. If you can imagine the crowd again, they're wanting to kill Jesus. Jesus, very calmly, he's like, he just somehow turns invisible. I don't know, but he's coming. I have a map for you here in a minute. We're going to look in a second. I'll pull it up. You're going to see kind of where everything's taking place. But Jesus kind of walks right through this crowd, and he's there in front of and it would be common for beggars to be in front of the temple. Why? They're not going to go off here where there's nobody. They're not going to get anything. But they know people are going to the temple. And so it was customary and normal for them to be there to ask for help, to beg and hold the sign. Help me. Give me that coffee because I need something. Don't even bring me any. Just kidding. But um, So that was normal for them to ask for something. It was normal for them to beg for it. And Jesus Instead of running because they want to kill him, Jesus sees it. And he sees a need and he zeroes in just on this individual like this one right here. I'm, I'm zeroing just right here, just right here. And he blots everything out. And he says, guys, we're going to do something. Now, if you're the blind man on the other side, you're just down here like this probably because you don't want to walk around, trip, and break your face or whatever. And he's holding this little thing, right? He's expecting someone to hook him up. And then he hears this. I tried this at home to make some mud, and I had to do it like three times. So I don't know if it was several, you know. But he makes this this blind. Now you're back at the blind man thinking, help, what? what, 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 what? You're hearing the spit. First of all, that's defilement. That's gross. That's disgusting. Even a wet woolly is disgusting, but imagine being spit on. He spits in his own hands, gets some dirt, and he makes some mud. Whoa! Jesus just did a number two. First one, he spit, and that's not okay. That's not okay, and actually in the Levitical law, it actually talks about that. That's not good. Saliva is bad, and that kind of thing. And then he says, he made the mud. It's two things he did on the Sabbath that were not okay. The Sabbath, you're not supposed to do anything. There is a list 
a really big list of, I don't I didn't want to read it because I have other things to say. A really ridiculous list of things you can't do. Like even like one of them, I'll just say one. You can't blow out a candle to save your oil on the Sabbath. That's bad. There's just things like that. There's just so many things you cannot do on the Sabbath. And Jesus was doing things. And he even addressed this several times. It's not like I'm blowing a candle out. I feel this. And they still have this hang up and this issue. And they're upset. Anyway, Jesus makes this mud, puts it on the guy, and he tells them to do what? He gives them one thing to do. Verse 6. Having spit, made mud in the saliva, and he put it on his eyes. In verse 7, he says, go. And told them to wash. My Bible stops right there. It really doesn't encourage you to do this. But I'm thinking if you have spit on your face, you're just going to the quick, quickest thing, right? You're looking for something to wash that nastiness off your face. But he tells them, hey, I don't want you just to go right there. I want you to go. Now you can look at this map, the pool of Shalom. I was studying this, and I was irritated. I, I'm a visual learner, and I've never been to Israel. I would love to go one day. Um, but to see actually the things that Jesus did, the very little tiny details really ex- excite me. And looking at this picture right here, maybe we have it. Um, I have this long pole. There's a, I keep freaking out that step. I have this long pole here. So Jesus is about right here. Okay? He's in front of this temple coming out the beautiful gate of the temple around this time. This is where we find this dude. And look at all these pools that are really close. This one up here is, ah, I have a hard time saying it. Help me out, someone. There you go. But, uh, yeah, that one. Anyway, this one was really close, and there right here, he could have just went up here. But Jesus tells him to come all the way down here, all the way past this one, all the way down here, past this some more, all the way down here to the pool of Shalom. Sometimes God tells us to do something, but we don't obey We think we have another way. We think we know a better way or an easier way, but Jesus gave him strict commandments or a command, go do this here. The man was an outcast, blind, sitting there. He didn't argue with Jesus. First of all, he didn't even know who Jesus was. He just some dude told him, I'm going to spit on you and make you better. Jacked up, right? So, He's like, okay, I've got nothing better to do than sitting here all day. I'll try to take my little stick and walk down to the pool. And as he goes down there, he goes, and let's read the rest of this. He goes to the pool and washes in the pool of Shalom. And the word was the Sabbath. So the man went and washed in the pool of Shalom. He didn't obey what he had received from God. He didn't obey what he had received from God. Sometimes God is wanting us to take the step out and obey. Just like he told Joshua to take a step and I'll part the waters. He's probably thinking, yeah, right. This is a flood stage, Jesus, God. And you want me to step in this and have my leg go like this in the flood stage? You got a better plan? Now obey. 
the man obeyed and he did what God said and he got up and he went because God said, go to this pool. He didn't say, that's way down there, Jesus. I could go here. Some of us think, oh, I can just stay home and watch church. I don't have to come to church. What's on whatever, John, what's on YouTube or whatever that thing's called? Facebook or whatever. Anyway, um, I don't have to go. I can just watch Francis Chan because he's better than that ball he had to carry, you know. I can, I can go do this or that. Jesus says, do this, and out of obedience, he does it in so he goes, and he came home seeing, and when something happens, just like that quick story about my son, I had a different story to share, but it was like perfect for the lesson, how God did that. I was excited and ready to share that with you. This man is different, and he's like, man, I'm in the marketplace. Whoa, this is what Apple looks like. Oh, my goodness. Oh, a banana. Oh, a Fig Newton. Oh, this and that and all this other stuff, right? And uh, they had Fig Newtons growing on trees. Did you know that? Uh, so he had all these amazing things, and he's like, this is crazy, and i never seen this. Wow, that's amazing. Look at that mountain. Can you see what God does? We're blinded. We're Christians, and we should be with amazement, excited that God is doing things. And the problem is he's probably not because you're not zeroed in to what God is doing. You're sitting over there fine with whatever. You're sitting over there with a mediocre Christian life. Oh, Pastor Gary will give us the word. That's good enough. Oh, Pastor John will give us what we need for the week. No, that's not right. We should be excited to dive in this book and this book should, it's alive. This is the only book that's breathing and can change you. And this man doesn't know Jesus. This man was an outcast at an early age, born blind, was shoved out. His parents were put aside because they were shamed of their sin. So he didn't ever get to taste that. So he has no, that is what I know. He doesn't know any different than you. Shame on us because we know him and we don't live like him. Shame on us because we know the one that was, we were once blinded and yet we don't walk in that. So now we see this guy. He's out excited. And the neighbors notice. So we can be like the neighbors. Yeah, I think that is the dude. I think that was the guy. Yeah, I saw him yesterday and I was too busy. So I just walked by. Yeah, that was the guy because uh, he's there all the time. And I remember he stinks and that's him. And some of them were like, no, that's not the guy. No one, that's, there's no way. So they're arguing. There's division. But in verse 8, the neighbors and those who had merely seen him as begging asked, is this the same man that was used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said no in verse 9. He only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. I am the man. I'm telling you, that was me and I am different now. I don't know how, but I'm different. Are you different? Because if you're different, you should be like, man, I'm different, and there's something in me that I can't explain, but I want to share it with you because I want you to be different. I want you to know it. I want you to know the truth. We have the burdens. I have my demons. I have my fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. We don't want others to go to hell. 
We want to show it and share it and believe it and be it. And so this man's like, I don't know, right? Verse 10. How then will your eyes open? He replied, a man called Jesus. Spit some on the ground, made some mud, right? Put it on my eyes and told me to go wash. He didn't tell me I was better. He just told me to go wash in the pool of Shalom. And when I washed, and then I could see, I don't know what was drinking that day, but man, something was different. And I bet there's people, the text doesn't tell us, they're like, I want to go get some of that. I want to know, have some of that. And then you have your haters, right? But he says, I don't know, but I do know this. Verse 13. Let me go, I skipped 12, verse 12. Where is this man that you're talking about? The man called Jesus. He goes, I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know where he is. I just met the guy real quick. I don't know anything about the dude. So he goes, I don't know. They brought him, they didn't like that answer, so they brought him to the Pharisees in front of this court. And they said to this man, are you the blind man? Now that the day which Jesus has said, has all this been said, and he put mud and opened your eyes, and do you realize this is the Sabbath? Verse 15, therefore the Pharisees asked, how did this happen? How did you receive your sight? And he answers, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed. And I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said to this man, is not, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. They were still stuck in the law that we had to do all these different things. If I said this, tell me I said it, because I know I said it first hour. That the reason, maybe I think, and I, I looked several commentaries, and I couldn't find anybody to give me a good answer, so I'm giving you my own answer. I did like a little graph chart, and one of the laws for the Jewish culture is this, is walking on the way to Shabbat, which is the church place, right? The Jewish law sets a maximum walking range, 2,000 cubits. You can only walk on the Sabbath. If you were to do the math on that little chart, the pool of, yeah, that one was much closer. But the pool of Shalom was actually breaking the law. I don't know if Jesus was doing that again just to show them, hey, it's about grace. He does this great, mighty miracle. Has that guy go. He's before court. So we have the neighbors. Now we have the Pharisees that are arguing and having this hang up. But now in verse 17, he says, we finally turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him. What do you have to say about this guy? He says, I don't know. I just know his eyes, and now I can see it. My eyes were open. And the man replied, I guess he's a prophet. He says, he is a prophet. He went from just a man named Jesus now to a prophet because he knows this guy isn't just some guy, but he's someone that's changed me, someone that has the authority and the power Only from God up and high can do that. And he did something to me to wreck me, to change me. 
And he says, that's the guy. And he goes on to say in verse 18, the Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they found him. They went to get his parents. Parents, come in here. We want to double check and make sure this cheese ball is who he said he is. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he could now see? I love good parenting. Right here, this is not good parenting. These parents are losers, really. Because if they were good parents, they would get their sons back. If they were good parents, they would know where their son was. If they were good parents, they would have pursued their son. But he was left outside begging because his family gave him the shine. Parents, in verse 20, we know he is our son. And we know he was born blind, but now he can see uh, how he can see how his eyes are open. We don't know. Ask him. But his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided, listen to this, Verse 22, that anyone who acknowledges that Jesus was the Messiah might have eternal life. Their son was already put out because of outward signs and being blind. We are not blind. We can put on our good Christian t-shirts at church and act like good Christians. Nobody sees behind the veil who we really are. Jesus sees all the yucky. man says, hey, give it to him. And we don't want to be shunned. We don't want to be put out. We don't want to be the one that's an outcast like my son. So we're just going to stay over here and plead the fifth and let him take care of his own business. Let him be over there. We're good to go. We're done. Are we like the neighbors so far? That sometimes we doubt the goodness of God? Are we like the parents that we try to kind of squash things? give glory to God like he deserves. Now we see the, the Pharisees come back in here and they're, they're still arguing back and forth at 21. But now we can see and we ask, you say, ask him, right? Verse 22. The parents said it is because they were afraid of the Jews. 23. This was why the parents said this. Listen, ask him. They didn't want to answer. So the second time they come in, they summon the man and he said, in verse 24, give glory to God. They said, we know this man is a sinner. They're saying, really, show the glory where it's due. We know better than you. This is not really the guy that should be here. Really, really you should really ask him. Because we know. We're better than him. It's really what they're saying. You don't know what you're talking about. They dismissed the man. In 25, he says, he replied, whether he is a sinner... Or not, I do not know. I don't know about that. But I do know this. One thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. You can't argue with me there. I was blind, begging, but now I see. Your testimony has so much power. But we act like, oh, I'm not a pastor. I can't share my testimony. I can tell you time after time, I didn't know what to say. But God used a knucklehead like me to lead someone into the kingdom. And I had no clue I could do that. 
He's just looking for willing people and obedient people that are going to go. And he will speak through you. I was running for quite a long time, but here I am today. And I know I wouldn't be here unless Jesus put me here. I tell you this, we should be running in a way that would be obedient to him. So he goes on and he says, here, I can tell you this. They said, they asked him, what did you think about all this? They're arguing with him. You've already told us this. And he tells them a little bit later in 27, why do you keep asking me? Why you've asked me, he says, do you want to be a disciple too? I like he just kind of throws that in there. You're trying to mock me. You're trying to make fun of me. But he throws it right back at him. Do you want to be his disciple or what? You can't argue. You know you're wrong and you know I'm right because God did this and only he can do this. So they're so angry that they threw the man out. And before they threw him out, we don't believe in your Jesus or whoever this guy is. We believe in Moses. He says later on in verse 29. Moses, he was standing right there in the midst of them. The man answered, and he said, remarkable. I love this, this verse 330. You don't know where he comes from yet. You're talking bad about him like this. Yet, he opened my eyes. We know, and he, I love how he puts we, because he puts them back in that circle. You know, I know, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens only to godly men who does this, who does his will. And nobody has ever heard anyone opening, even a man born from love. No one's ever done that. He's done his homework. Maybe he didn't go to the temple, but I'm sure he heard about it. Maybe his parents were good at one time and did teach him those things. No one's ever been healed from blindness from birth. No one. And they're like, yeah, they're angry and mad. They tell him to get out. And they reply, you are born in sin, filthy. That means a filthy dog, a dirty dog, Christmas something. Dirty animal, there it is. He says, uh, get out of here. You're terrible. He's like, I've already been cast out. But Jesus says, love how Jesus doesn't leave him. Jesus goes and finds him in the latter part of the night. Verse 35. Jesus heard that he was thrown out and he found him and he said, do you believe in the son of man? Verse 36. Who is this? Who is this guy? Who are you talking about? Tell me who he is so I can believe. He's like, man, I want to believe. And then he realizes Jesus said, you have seen him. said, Lord, he went from man, prophet, now to Lord. I believe in you. And he worshiped him right there. He said, you are not just a man. You are not just a prophet. You are the Lord and you deserve everything. And he bowed down and he worshiped him. He gave it to him. We give it to him because he deserves it. He is worthy of it, whether you give it or not. And every, at one time, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. 
Remove those blinders that are on you. Why don't we bow our heads? I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank you for removing the blinders off my eyes. Thank you for allowing me to see. Father, your word says that you are the light of the world. And in you there is no darkness. Father, that doesn't mean it's going to be peaches and cream all the time. It's going to be great. But it does mean that we will have a peace that passes all understanding. It does mean that we can trust and lean on you. And just like these Pharisees that came against him, Jesus told them, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of your sin. But now you claim that you can see your guilt remains. May we not remain in our own guilt and sin because we are hard-hearted, because we are selfish, because we are a people that are consumed with ourself in our own religious stupid ways. But Father, may we be open and reveal the truth of the living God to interact in our lives, that we are different and that people would see the difference in us. Father, illumine your light in our lives. Meet this need. Thank you, Jesus.